Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes, you'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Welcome back to QAV, Tony Kynaston, episode 354, recorded uh, Monday the 16th of November. How are you? Very, very good, thank you. As I said before, a little bit hot. It's a, it's a humid day in Sydney today. Well, we just did a great interview with uh, Andrew Page, the founder of Strawman. That'll be out later this week. Uh, lovely chap, had a great chat. Um, looking forward to... Using that maybe a little bit more as we go forwards. Um, yeah, I'll do a deep dive into it too now. I think I know a bit more about it. Yeah, put some of our thoughts up there. But uh, we got a big got a big show today. Lots of questions this week, so let's get into it. But before we get into the questions, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. Hawthorne, Hawthorne took a it's in our portfolio took a beating uh, last week. Have you uh, had a look at what's going on there? Well, not really. It's uh, I have had a look at it, but I think most gold stocks have had a beating in the last week. So it's just because gold is, you know, gold price went down, and gold's seen as a safe haven in uncertain times, and the market got a rush of blood to its head when <laughs> they thought there was a vaccine coming, um, and gold price shot down and. Gold stocks went down. So my guess is Hawthorne's been tied up in that. Right. Well, we're nowhere near our three-point trend line for Hawthorne, but it did come back quite a bit uh, in the last week. It so has. there you go. Yeah. Uh, the- yeah, it has. My gut, this is no, in no way a prediction, but my, my gut says that, you know, as soon as uh, an outbreak happens again, and it will for COVID somewhere, uh, where it isn't already, maybe it's in Australia, maybe it's in New Zealand, maybe it's in the UK or whatever, or the US or Mexico, uh, the thoughts are going to turn back to how uncertain the future is. So I don't know. I think gold, I wouldn't write gold off yet. America had over a million new cases of COVID last week. They're tracking at 160,000 new cases a day. 
at the moment. But, uh, you know, apparently that's not bothering the markets. Everyone's cool. Ah, it's nothing. Be fine. Yeah. Well, the market looks nine months in advance. That's usually what it does. And so it's saying Biden will tighten things up as far as the spread of COVID and it's saying a vaccine will help eliminate it. So mm. that's where the money's going. But, yeah, as we know, forecasts uh, have an asterisk attached to them, <laughs> which is <laughs> may not happen. <laughs> yeah, may not happen the way we forecast. Yeah, good luck to Biden to getting the red states to wear masks or uh, go into lockdown. I can't see that happening. And that's the problem, isn't it? Unless you have uniformity, there's no point even some people locking down. Yeah, it's still going to spread. Yeah. Anywho, that's their problem. Uh, I tell you, speaking of our portfolio, we, uh, Regis is very close to its three point cell line regis resources we have two uh mm. po- two what do we call them two trenches of that a double holding yeah. oh two holdings yep. double holding yeah it's uh i think uh, we got the sell price in at three dollars 88 it's currently at four dollars oh nine so just above that it's come down quite a bit we might be getting rid of that soon i think well, again, who knows? It's in the same boat as Hawthorne. It's another gold stock which has come off. Right. But if, I mean, look, it just, I mean, I'm not trying to defend Regis. If it breaches its three point trend line, we'll sell. And the same with Hawthorne. But have a look at the Regis share price yeah. graph. Uh, and you can see it. This is nothing unusual for the, the stock to go up and down with these kinds of patterns, but in you know, general trend, it goes up. Right. But we will still sell it if it breaches its three-point trend line because rules is oh absolutely rules is yeah. rules, rules is rules. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. There's no point having rules if we're going to break them as soon as we uh, we uh, feel emotional about a stock. Unless you want to fudge something. Yeah, fudging's allowed, I think, but uh, you, um, it's got to make sense, I think, before you fudge. Right, you gotta. You gotta... Got to make sense before you fudge. That's Tony's uh, <laughs> tip of the week. Well, I mean, what I'm saying, I guess, is that we have rules and, and, I, and I stick by them, but uh, the, the markets are such a diverse place that if you see something which, you know, the rule pre- pre- precludes, but you can make a case for bending the rules, and I think the fudge makes sense. We don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot by being robots about this. We'll uh, wait and see what happens with gold stocks. Yeah, yeah, I think they're in a bit of a, I think a cyclical downturn, but who knows if they keep going lower, we'll sell them. But it's not unusual to see the gold price oscillate around a bit too, depending on what's Mm. happening in the the wider world. All right. Uh, You wanted to talk about a few things this week, the ASA conference. Yeah, so the ASA, Australian Shareholders Association, has a conference on at the moment. It's virtual this year because of COVID. And uh, just, I uh, just wanted to talk about uh, a guy called Trevor Salt, who is a demographer. And he, I used to go along to presentations he would make when I was working in corporate, and they were always very, very entertaining, but also very good. And he, he basically every 12 months comes out with a report on the latest movements and trends within society. And just a couple of things I picked up from that. Uh, Mostly around COVID, he was saying that the that cities are starting to change their designs and will in the future into what he calls a fried egg scenario. So instead of having everyone around a hub in the CBD, 
they'll be out in the in the outer suburbs, which will have like a hub and spoke um, arrangement. So there'll be a, like a a yolk for a fried egg somewhere out in the suburbs, maybe Parramatta in Sydney or Mentone in Melbourne or um, I don't know, so Sunnybank in Brisbane. And then it will have the the other part of the egg surrounding it. And people won't leave that fried egg footprint to to live their lives. They'll work in it. They'll have all their needs met by local uh, shops and and providers in that area. And, you know, in some respects, that's what urban planners have been trying to push for for decades, for for a long time. And maybe it's now starting to come true because of COVID and and the, the work from home movement that's going on. And he also pointed out that people were changing the way that they lay out their homes because of work from home, and that he called them uh, hobos. So people were making sure they had a Zoom room in their in their house or a home office broadcast office from their house. And I thought that was interesting because we certainly do. Um, and he also pointed to a trend that's occurred this year in in terms of regional cities getting growth, so regionalisation, people leaving. Large, uh, large urban areas which are uh, COVID infested, and they're moving out into rural areas, but still able to to do their same jobs because of improvements in technology. So like, that was probably the biggest trends, which I, I found quite interesting. And then the last one that uh, I wanted to talk about was he said that by 2025, 75 percent of the workforce will be millennials, which just kind of blew my mind that the the generational shift was happening that quickly. What? Mm. How does how does that work? Yeah, I, I, he didn't give us any evidence behind it, but that's what he said. So by twenty twenty five, five years from now, seventy five percent of the workforce will be millennials. Mm-hmm. So the baby boomers are moving into retirement, born, and the millennials are taking yeah. over. Wow, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. that that's going to bring a lot of uh, fascinating trends with it, you would imagine? Well, I, I agree, and that's that was the, the start-off point for you know quite a wide-ranging discussion about ESG in, in the workforce and working from home a lot and uh, quality of life um, overtaking the monetary rewards for a job. So, yeah, really, really a lot of a long list and very interesting implications from that when it happens, whether it's 2025, I guess, or 2030 or whatever, it's going to happen. So it will mm. bring about dramatic change. The fried egg thing you were talking about, that's been my life for the last 20 years. Uh, yours too, I guess, right? I i, I rarely go mm. very far from yeah, home. Yeah. Weekends is the only time I ever really leave the house these days. It's kind of sad right. and tragic, but there you go. We're, uh, we've always been 10 years ahead of our time. We? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, I just thought that was um, was nice and... Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks to the ASA for putting on a, oh, a pretty yeah. good conference. I actually um, saw an ad for it today and went, oh, good, I should have checked that out. <laughs> I kind of missed it. Um, let's talk <laughs> about the uh, Aurelia Metals capital raising. Yeah, so I uh, dug into this last week when I heard it was going on. Uh, so Aurelia Metals, one of the one of the stocks I own, but it's, I think it's also in our dummy portfolio as well, a gold miner, but also with other ores that it mines in New South Wales, and they've decided to expand into the their gold mining tenements, and they've uh, done a deal to purchase a nearby mine, uh, well, also also within New South Wales, but certainly near enough so that they can leverage their current infrastructure off it. So they're uh, 
they're touting it as a good deal. Um, to do this deal, though, they've got to raise money, and they're doing it via uh, uh, an equity raising. And uh, at the time, the share price was around 49 cents. It's now dropped back in the last few few days. And this is what often happens with these book builds. The, the share price is dropping back to the capital raising price, which is, um, I think, around 43 cents is what they're going to ask for. Yeah, 43 cents for new shares. And the share price today for AMI, I think, was about 45 cents. And today being the 16th of November. And it's 44.5. So it's going to drop down to around what the capital raising price is, which means that uh, as investors, we're not going to get much upside in, in this particular capital raising. It doesn't always work this way, but I think it's what's happening here. And so it comes down to whether we think we want to put more money into AMI. Uh, there's pros and cons for these things. So the I'm, I'm never a fan of being on the acquirer side of a transaction. I'd rather be on the acquiree side or the acquired side of a transaction. That's when you tend to make more money. Uh, but um, if they do get the synergies they're, they're saying, and that's always a big if because, again, companies historically tend to overstate their synergies. When they actually take over the, the new company, they, they often find reasons why they can't gain enough of the synergies that they, they said they were going to gain. But um, it kind of does make sense on paper anyway that, that if you have another gold mine near your current gold mine, you will get some synergies from taking it over. Uh, so it comes down to whether we think we should invest. The really metals, I'll just have a quick look. It, it was on the buy, the buy list. I'll just see if it still is. Yeah, it's, it still is. So uh, unless, uh, unless the share price keeps dropping and it breaches its three-point trend line, which it hasn't yet, then I would probably take up and the fact if I, if I have enough spare cash, I will take up my my rights. Um, normally, I do that uh, anyway because uh, oftentimes in these situations, you can buy fifty cents for forty three. It's not going to happen in this one, I don't think. So that kind of knocks that argument out. But it is on the buy list, and uh, it's if it comes back to forty three cents and hovers around that, it's it's basically just a top up, uh, and you're banking on the fact that this. Um, Gold, the extra gold mine will give synergies and the company will benefit from that. Uh, but it's really a line ball. The, the downside for these, these situations is if you don't take up the rights, then you're, you are, um, your shareholding as a, as a percentage or a ratio of the company's overall market cap goes down. As Stephen Main um, likes to push that argument. It, it doesn't always mean much in a company like Aurelia Metals because uh, it has a, has a dividend payout, but it's fairly small. It's 2%. So uh, you, you will get diluted in terms of dividend payments. And you will have, uh, if you are inclined to vote on, on things at the AGM, you'll have a, a, a lesser vote. Uh, I would feel worse if, if, we, if retail shareholders weren't able to take up their, their rights and, and an institutional has got to buy um, a share price of uh, got to buy a share that's valued on the market at fifty cents for, for forty three, but that's not happening. So, yeah, it comes down to I guess whether you have the spare cash and whether you think a real year is a is a good bet going forward. And it's on our buy buy list, so I'm probably going to take up those rights myself. What kind of a QAV score does it have at the moment? Yeah, let me have a look. By the way, we don't have it in our portfolio. Um, we oh, sold okay. it Thanks. about a year ago. Okay. It's 0.17. Right. So it's not high at the no. moment. Like there's 
ton is 30 stocks above it on the buy list. So why would you buy more of that and not buy something at the top of the the list? Hawthorne Resources, speaking of which, is at the top of the top buy of list. list. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good good question, Cam. Uh, in the absence of in the absence of getting a benefit out of, you know, paying forty three cents for more shares when they're when they're listed for fifty, there's not a compelling argument. At the moment they're at forty four point five cents and you can buy them for 43. If that holds up or the share price raises, then it becomes compelling because you're getting an extra discount. But no, I mean, there's certain, there's, you're making a lot of sense. So if we have spare capital, maybe we should put it into something higher up on the list. Mm. I, I wouldn't say Hawthorne Resources right now. <laughs> but, no. <laughs> maybe. Well, it's in, this, it's in the same boat, right? It's another gold mining company as well. Yeah. So look, this is going to the, the uh, when's it going to open? I don't think I have that in front of me. Uh, we have until the 3rd of December. So the offer hasn't actually opened yet. It opens on the 20th of November, which is Friday, and it goes through until the 3rd of December. So, uh, you know, I'll wait until that last uh, last few days there and make up my mind about this one. Right. And a large part of it will be whether I'm getting a discount to the current share price if I take up the offers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that yeah, you know, I get the rationale there, but if it's you're not getting a bargain and it's uh, way down on the buy list, I don't really get the yeah, point. Yeah, no, I, I I can see the sense in that. I agree. Well, there you go. I talked you out of a deal. Uh, tell your mum I saved you. <laughs> um, buy well, I list. Still might do it. Still might do it. Oh, okay. Well, if you do, get back to me and justify yourself. All right. Thank All you. All right. I'll see you on Straw Man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll we'll battle it out on straw man. <laughs> updates. Uh, you wanted to give some more updates on the buy list, I think, this week. Yeah, I did a download last week, and there was some. There were quite a few changes. So, uh, I know you you put out the journal, but we've added uh, a few. So NWH NRW Holdings, it's called AKG. Uh, which is uh, Academies Australia, NHC, New Hope, New Hope Corporation, uh, West Gold, and West Gold were all added. Macquarie, and there's been a few interesting reports uh, because it's the third quarter, uh, and then we have a number of companies that report a September end deadline. There's been a flurry of new companies coming out to report. So Macquarie Group, we have new numbers for, and I hold shares in Macquarie Group, and and even though it's dropped down on off the buy list because of its share price rising, I'm still going to hold it until uh, it's a three-point sell. Uh, and other interesting ones were Qantas, uh, which is, is on an uptrend. And this is one where people may want to consider fudging. I'm, I'm not suggesting they should. But if I have a look at Qantas, we have new numbers. The, the thing with Qantas is, of course, the air, airline airplanes haven't been in the sky, so operating cash flow is down. But it has, you know, risen from sort of four forty-ish a share up to five dollars nineteen since the results came out, and it's uh, it's a, approaching its its uh, buy target. Actually, it may have gone through. Just let me have a look at the, the chart. It, it's been on an uptrend. I'm just calling up the five-year graph, and I've got to rearrange things on my desktop here. It's getting very close to its buy its buy price, which is yeah going to be around. Not much higher than its current share price, but unfortunately, it's you know because of its operating cash declining, it's fallen off our our buy list. So, uh, it 
I'm not suggesting we buy it because it's off the buy list, but this is one I think which is, again, a, I guess a, a bit like what um, Andrew was saying from Strawman. I can see a case where, you know, with, if the vaccine comes out and planes are in the air next year, that we're going to look back and, and say $5 a share for Qantas was a steal. So if people are doing their own research, they might want to have a look at Qantas. It, I'm not buying it. It doesn't meet my QAV buy list score, but we, we've had it in the past. And it's in an uptrend at the moment, and uh, I expect at some stage they'll have enough planes in the air to uh, to justify a, a re-rating of the shares. Mm. Uh, other ones, uh, I, I mentioned Samfire last week, and I had a look at that today when I was preparing for the podcast, and today being Monday the sixteenth, I think it's now a sell again. So it's it's a it's turned back to being a falling knife. We spoke about it, I think, in our last episode. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, share price has turned down again. I think it's a falling knife, so I, I'll be taking it off the buy list. And just like uh, Super Cheap Auto, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, it's also turned down. It's not a sell yet. Um, sorry, I should I should have got that the wrong way around. Samfire is close to a sell. Super Cheap Auto is a sell in terms of their share prices. Uh, and that kind of brings me to what I'd like to highlight to people. We can call it stock of the week if you like. And that's JB Hi-Fi. So have a look at JB Hi-Fi out there, people. It's just crept onto the the buy list because the share price has come down. And I guess similar for Super Cheap Auto, uh, both those retailers have had good omni-channel strategies, which means they've had internet sales and stores open uh, during during the COVID lockdowns. Sometimes in Victoria they haven't been open, but across Australia they've been open. Uh, but now that uh, you know the market's getting excited about a vaccine, a vaccine, their their share prices are re-rating down again um, on the basis that they were inflated because of their internet sales. Uh, they're coming onto the the well, JB Hi-Fi's come onto the buy list because of that, and I think it may prove to be a a good buy. Uh, it it does get onto the bottom of the buy list from time to time, and invariably it goes up from there. So I'm just highlighting it. The QAV score for it is only about. 0.15, I think, or less. So uh, it's not going to stay long on the buy list, I don't think. I'll just have a look at what that score is. Just looking at its chart while you do that, its five-year chart, I mean, its share price now is the highest it's ever been outside of where it was in August. Mm. Peaked at the end of August at 50 bucks. It's down down to 46 but that's like before covid it was only running at 39, and that was the best it had been in five years. So its uh, share price is a lot higher than its uh, historical highs. Yeah, like I said, it got a good boost because of the um, internet sales increasing and, and holding up uh, during COVID. And hmm. the market was looking for retailers that fit that profile and it was selling down retailers like Maya. I guess and that's my- kind of going to re- reverse now. My- yeah, well, my question is, uh, with that in mind, and I know that's a little bit more uh, industry analysis than we would normally do, but um, mm-hmm. you know, if if we're back out of COVID for a decent stretch, I wonder if it would come back to its sort of normal trading uh, regions. Yeah, well, it could. Um, just looking at the share price now, it is trending down. I grant you that. So. You might want to hold off and, and see whether it trends up in the future before you buy, but but it, it's uh, just looked up the QAV score. It's 0. 0.10, so mm. if it does go up from here, it's going to fall off the buy list because of the share price rise. Yeah. And it, it definitely is a quality company. I think we all know JB Hi-Fi. Um, 
but anyway, I'm not recommending it. Just people could could use it as a starting point for their research. Okay. Uh, getting back to Sandfire Resources, uh, didn't we decide it was uh, Schrodinger anyway recently? Yeah, I thought we said it might have been a falling knife. Yes, well, that too. Yeah, and it's, I think in the intervening week it's turned out to be a falling knife. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Okay, anything else you want to talk about before we get into Q&A? Nope, that's, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Well, this first question this week is from Zyman. He asks for your thoughts. Uh, he also asked for my thoughts, which I thought was very generous of him, but I'll, I'll let you handle this one. Uh, just for a change, I'll let you run with that. Tony, so you don't feel left out. Y- Unity Group, U-L- UWL, sorry, UWL. What do you know about Unity Group? Well, uh, sweet FA is my answer. I don't know much about it at all. Uh, but if I look at it in terms of the QAV lens, it's uh, it wouldn't be something I'd be interested in. Um, let me just call up its score. It's price to cash flow. The last I think I had a look at it was around 30 times. I'll just confirm that. Wow. Yeah, 30, 35 times. So I think from memory, it's a, it's a relatively new company. It's been going for a couple of years. Mm. And it's some kind of telco that's that's doing uh, uh, fiber networks, and uh, also I think I think telecommunications towers, I guess, for mobile phones. Uh, and so that's it's probably still in its investment phase, which is not normally the type of share I invest in. So price to operating cash flow is thirty six times, which would make me just move on straight away. I'm looking at Stock Doctor at the moment, and I can see the percentage shorted of the stock has risen from 0 to 6% uh, since about uh, the end of June, which is uh, also a worrying trend. Uh, it doesn't always mean the share price will go down. The shorts can get it wrong, but when they're rapidly increasing, there's a bit of, uh, a bit of negative information out there about the stock. Uh, the three-point trend line, though, is still a buy on the graph, mm. even though we haven't got much data there. And certainly operating cash flow, even though it's low, is on the increase and so is balance sheet equity and and the financial health rating in Stock Doctor is good. So there are things which, you know, are attractive about it, but it's not something I'd invest in with a price to operating cash flow of 35 times. I think that's just too risky. And there are certainly, uh, certainly when there are more attractive things on the buy list. Yeah, that's right. This is probably one for Strawman or for Andrew to have a look at because he would do a different type of analysis and try and work out in five years what it might be worth. But that's not my skill set. And uh, I, I do focus on cash. I think cash is king. And uh, I like to, you know, to, to not pay, overpay for, for cash that's that's there at the moment. Mm. And this business isn't throwing off a heap of cash just yet. Probably will in the future. I mean, you know, this is this is typical of a telco where they invest heavily at the start. When they be- they become mature businesses quite quickly, then they throw off lots of cash flow. So we may come back to this in the future. Mm. Okay. Thanks for the question, Simon. Chris, uh, he says, Hi, Cam. I'm struggling to get similar scores to the buy list. Could we run through a couple? For example, I score Accent Group at 0.11 versus 0.34 in the buy list. Should have asked uh, Chris to send me his uh, yeah. worksheet so we could look through it, I guess. Um, but uh, let's bring that up and have a look. 
Well, Tony just, you know, spent 10 minutes going through his analysis <laughs> before I realised that actually the buy list has it at 0.11 as well, Chris. So um, I don't know what version of the buy list you were looking at, but um, certainly the most recent version has it at 0.11. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe you were looking at an outdated version, although that still would be a big difference in a score. I don't know what would have happened to have changed the score that dramatically, but um, there you go. Mm. If you have if you have any others, we have a differential between your score and the Tony score. Uh, let me know and shoot me a copy of your checklist, which would be good. So then I can uh, compare your workings to our workings and we can see uh, where the difference lies. Uh, got another question from Chris, though. He says, not sure Dukedon should be on the buy list. Revenue in 2020 was profit from sale of mining tenements and there is no ongoing operating cash flow being generated. And uh, Jamie, a.k.a. P-Head, agreed. This is on Facebook. He said, agree wholeheartedly. Chris, I was thinking perhaps for mining stocks, we should have a filter for has a producing asset. Otherwise, very speculative, a.k.a. DKM. Not really what we're aiming for with a QAV score. Tony, thoughts? Uh, well, you know, I can I can agree with uh, Jamie and and with Chris on this, but I don't do that level of analysis. If I see an operating cash flow which is good, I'll still buy the company. And we had similar discussions around some of the ETFs which crept onto the buy list this year, and uh, you know, uh, like. Uh, G-E-A-R and like G-G-U-S and some of the other ones. And it was pointed out by one of our listeners or some of our listeners that the operating cash flow that was coming through there was boosted by the fact that they were selling shares during the COVID cough and that that wasn't a normal operating activity. But I think in all these kinds of abnormal cases, you can, if you, if you feel like it, you can eliminate them from the list. But we are, without doing detailed research on Duke, and I wouldn't know whether it's in the business of of turning over mining tenements, which some miners are that they have a large exploration slate, and when they find something rather than develop it themselves, they'll sell it off. So that could be the business they're in. But I take the point that it's an abnormal. Looking at Duke, and though it does have positive cash flow for the last two halves, so either it's been selling off. Um, a number of mining tenements. Like I say, they're in the business of exploration and then flipping those tenements. Or, uh, or um, yeah, I'll have to take Chris and, and Jamie on their words. It, 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 I would suspect it may have some kind of operations going on to have, you know, 12 months worth of operating cash flow coming through, but I don't know. I haven't done the research. So it, I've never filtered out abnormals in the past, but, you know, whether it's a... ETF, which has sold some shares and therefore has higher operating cash flow that that half than normal, or whether it's a mining company flipping tenements, or whether it's anything else, uh, you know, an industrial company selling a factory. Uh, what I guess I'm saying is I rely on the, the the management of the company to take that cash flow and redeploy it better than if they had sat on the asset, and and I think that's a legitimate strategy and point of view to take. So. I'm not disagreeing with what uh, Chris and Jamie are saying, and uh, but I'm not going to change the checklist to filter out. My my thoughts are that cash into a company, as long as it's deployed well, is uh, is a good thing. 
Yeah, and you're not just looking at that one line item when you're doing an analysis, how much cash they have, right? You're looking at correct whatever it is now, 17-odd metrics and the relationships mm-hmm. between those metrics. And if it's getting a good score across the board, then it's getting a good score across the board. Yeah, and, and like I've always said, I invite the listeners who don't like that to filter out for that and you know, let's compare results in a year's time or two years' time and see how we go. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, You get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. And also we get a, a... private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it so check that out qavpodcast.com.au but as i said if you're brand new and you want to you're trying to figure out what's going on go back and listen to season three episodes one three and five 301 303 and 305 and then you might also want to go back and listen to season one as well all of the free episodes in season one where we go into a lot of detail about tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, the other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.